Cougars are back. Play fake. Wilson on the seam. Caught by Bushman. 10-5. Touchdown, Cougars! We're two hours away from the kickoff. BYU football. Play fake for Wilson. A deep drop. Goes for the back right pylon of the end zone. He's got a touchdown, and the Cougars open up on top. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over 25 years. Cougar Pregame Live is also proudly supported by Kingarf Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen in Orem. To get you ready for today's battle on the gridiron, let's join the host of Cougar Pregame Live, Jason Shepard. Good morning, BYU fans. Welcome into Cougar Pregame Live. Grab your bacon and eggs, your cereal, your yogurt, whatever you eat for breakfast, and let's talk some BYU football as we get you ready for the BYU Cougars on the road in the Glass Bowl in Toledo, Ohio, facing the Toledo Rockets. I am in our BYU radio studios in Provo, Utah, overcast skies here in Utah County. Joining me from Toledo, Ohio, is former Cougar quarterback and current radio analyst Riley Nelson. And Riley, I saw a picture Greg Rubel tweeted out just a few minutes ago. It looks like it's overcast skies there as well. Yeah, overcast turning a little bit into partly cloudy. There was quite a bit of rain from the time I landed into Detroit and driving here to Toledo, which was only about a 35-minute drive. But it was rain the entire time until I think it was starting to let up around 10, 30, 11. So the ground's still wet out here, but it's shaping up to be what, and I don't want to jinx it, but a pretty beautiful day. Well, that's what we like to hear. Cougars right now 2-2, two and two, coming off a 45-19 loss at home to Washington last Saturday. Now, the Rockets are 2-1. and one. They're coming off a win on the road in Fort Collins over Colorado State last Saturday, 41-35. Riley was so much talk about the first four games of the season. It, it may be tempting to kind of relax a little bit against the G5 team from the MAC. That would certainly be a mistake. It totally would, and and you'd only have to remember a few years ago when these guys had a shootout into the 50s. I don't know if we'll get into the 50s, but I expect another close game and a game that could, you know, will definitely be, in my opinion, definitely be in the 30s and, and into the 40s, but uh, I think it'll be really close. And this Toledo team is one that has something to prove. They were picked to win their division. They were picked to compete for a conference championship, and as uh, all of these G5 or a MAC team aspires is to gain national respect by getting recognition in the top 20 and they know they can't do that with much more than one or two losses and so to pick up this to pick up a win against this BYU team is definitely something that they have their sights set on and something that they're hungry for before the Cougars face the Rockets let's get to the three things you need to know all right number one BYU concludes its P5 first month at two and two now beginning the rest of the season against G5 opponents we mentioned Riley two and two is the record how do you view two and two with this team I think it's uh it's okay I mean it's 500 that's about as good as you can feel I I feel pretty even and balanced about I mean I'm not excited about it some people that uh, may see that as a victory because people were talking about you know most people expected one and three some people were even talking 0-4 so maybe you uh you know exceeded some people's expectations but I think this team it, look it sets you up for bowl eligibility which again preseason people were questioning but the reality is uh your record is what your record is and you just try and come out every week and try and improve it so uh, i think we learned some things about this team but it's constantly changing obviously uh well i'll go ahead and have you intro number two and we'll talk about <laughs> <laughs> this roster's changing this team is changing it's all about adapting from week to week yeah and before quickly before we get to number two i i you said something you joined us on byu sports nation this week on byu tv 
And one of the things in, in referencing the fact that you can't let up against a, a team like Toledo, they're certainly capable of causing fits for BYU, and we'll get into some specifics in a second. I thought one of the, the interesting things that you said was, yes, that you know they're definitely capable, but this is a this is a team that's it's not they're not going to have the types of players that BYU faced in the first four weeks. You're not going to have the same skill level or maybe physicality, and that's maybe where BYU could take advantage. No question. One through 11 up to this point in the season, it's been hard. BYU has probably been evenly matched at best, if not slightly a little bit overmatched from just a, just a pure athletic standpoint. And let me, for the fans out there, just when I talk about that, that does not mean better football players, all right? it's not. This is not track and field. It's not about who's just the fastest or the strongest or can jump the highest right but those football is an athletic and a physical game and so those have they have it has its effect to to a certain degree but this is the first game the fifth game of the season where BYU will be the one that has the better squad one through 11 in all three phases offense special teams and defense number two Tyson Williams unfortunately done for the season with a torn ACL in his left knee and first and foremost obviously horrible news for Tyson Tyson was the team's leader in rushing attempts, yards, and touchdowns. Now, Emmanuel Supa and Lopini Coteau will now have to carry the load. Uh, that is certainly going to be one of the biggest storylines today on how those guys perform without Tyson Williams. No question. I think it's a great opportunity for them. I, I don't think people are expecting them to, to get Tyson's production, and that's because every player is his own player, and they have slightly different skill sets. But I do expect, for whether it's one of them or a combination of both of them, to still be able to be productive in this offense. I mentioned uh, this team is constantly morphing, morphing, and you're making adaptations from week to week. This is not the same team that beat Tennessee, not the same team that beat USC, not definitely not the same team that plays plays Utah. And a big part of that offensively has to do with the loss of Tyson Williams, but we've also experienced you know, bumps and bruises and some season-ending losses on the defensive side. So every week you step out there, while it's the same Y on the side of your helmet, you're lining up next to different teammates and that's why it's really important and one of the reasons why I'm encouraged is this team is the consummate team that goes out there and everybody's doing their job and uh, every week it seems like someone else is making a big play to help secure a victory. Well and we've seen what Lopini Katoa can do. We saw him last year and Emmanuel Isupa at the beginning of the week on Monday during Kalani's uh, media availability he was asked if Emmanuel Isupa was brought in as kind of a an insurance policy or a backup to to Tyson, and Kalani was very quick to turn that around and say, he, we didn't bring him in as, a, as an insurance policy to anybody. We brought him in because he's a really good football player, and we found out this week that USC was looking at Emmanuel Isupa as well as a grad transfer. So there was interest in, in Soup. And I, I have pretty high expectations for Isupa. I, I actually expect him to do really well today. Definitely. L- listen, as one who has lost battles in, in a, a, a position battle in fall camp and training camp, just because at the beginning of the season the coaches decide to go with another player does not mean that you all of a sudden are, are lesser or that your capabilities go away. It just means that the coaches made a decision. And I know this was a difficult decision. I, we, we kind of... With with our hindsight uh, mentality, we look back and we're like, oh yeah, it was clear that Tyson was the guy from day one, but that wasn't the case. Emmanuel Asupa competed with him, and the coaches made a decision 
you know, and it was a probably apparent, probably the right decision to uh, have Tyson be the guy at the beginning of the season. But it very easily could have been Emmanuel, and now he's got his opportunity to prove why he came to BYU and prove why he was that guy that was getting looks at the starting job in the first place. And of the three things you need to know, this is number three. The 2-1 Toledo Rockets bringing a rushing attack ranked 11th in the country. Right now, the Rockets averaging 269 yards on the ground. Running back Bryant Kobach coming off a career-high 228 yards rushing with three touchdowns. Mitchell Guadani, the quarterback, also rushing for 119 yards in that game. BYU has had trouble stopping the opposition's run, giving up 215. Riley, this has to be priority number one defensively. No question, and because it's a priority, I expect to see a little bit different look from the BYU defense, Uh, and by that, we've seen majority of three defensive linemen and and four linebackers, uh, or even three linebackers and then five DBs on the back end, but I expect to see four down linemen. I expect to see the three linebackers playing a lot closer to the line of scrimmage because uh, BYU has had its own struggles against the rest game. Now, here's one thing I, I uh, I did see that I don't expect to see today. So their running back... Kobach, he had you know a, a great game, 228 yes. yards, but 150, I think it was actually like 153 of those came on three runs, a run of 74, a run of 47, a run of 34. So uh, BYU has not given up those type of plays on the ground so far this season. Now, the 8 to 12-yard chunks that they seem to give up at times, that they gave up at times to Tennessee, to Utah, and Washington can be equally as maddening. But if they can limit those big plays, uh, I think that's the first step in in uh, accomplishing priority number one, which is stopping and limiting the run. Well, and one other thing about Kobach, and this is certainly not trying to uh, minimize what he did because, I mean, he was phenomenal, 228 yards. But th- this was n- these are not the types of numbers he was putting up week in and week out. He had a really, really good game, but he was not putting up eye-popping numbers even last year. Now, he was able to score some touchdowns. But but the, those that was a that was a very high number for him a very high career high for Bryant Kobach so we'll see how BYU handles him today coming up you're going to hear from Kalani Satake as well as Micah Simon in Cougar Cuts but next we'll get to know the foe as we talk with the Rockets play by play man Brent Balbinot this is Cougar pregame live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Jason Shepard. It's time to get to know the phone. Joined now by Brent Balbinot, the radio voice of the Toledo Rockets. Brent, thanks for taking a few minutes uh, on this fine morning. My pleasure. So if I were to ask you, what is the identity of the 2019 Toledo Rockets? What would you say? Blue collar. Uh, I don't think that's going to change any year. You could have asked me 10 years ago. You can ask me 10 years from now. This is very much a blue-collar city. Industrial, hard work, get your hands dirty. A lot of local kids on this roster. A lot of them, um, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I've got my eyes set on maybe, say, Ann Arbor, 45 minutes north of here, or Columbus, two hours south of here. But when you suit up in that midnight blue and gold uniform, they take an extra amount of pride on it. They just soon smack you upside the head as shake your hand once that whistle sounds. Now, they'll help you up. They're not dirty by any stretch of the imagination, but you'd better be prepared to play through the whistle and for four full quarters when you come to the glass bowl. 
Brent, that's a a tremendous cultural identity, and I think one that every program would aspire to. Schematically, what can BYU fans expect to see out of this Toledo offense and defense? Balance. I know that Coach Candle is known, and uh, understandably so, for being an offensive wizard. He'll smirk. He never takes a compliment well. But his name is on that short list of up-and-coming coaches, especially under 40, that uh, a lot of Power 5 programs have given at least a sniff to. He loves it here because he's cut out of that very blue-collar mindset, playing D3 ball at Mount Union. I don't know if you follow D3 ball or not, but they were a juggernaut. Dynasty, yeah. I mean, dynasty is probably an understatement. I don't know what the step up is be, would be, but when you just don't lose year after year after year and championships aren't just expected, but it's how do we get there to perfect what we did last year. It's just his mindset. He's driven. But when you talk about offense, he took a phone call during his uh, coach's show earlier this week. Mitch Guadani passed for under 200 yards. What's going on, coach? He goes, we were running the ball. Did you not notice Bryant Kobach's 19 carries and 228 yards? Did you not uh, notice Mitch going over 100 yards? There's your quarterback scrambling. Shaquille Seymour kind of was under the radar last uh, week. 14 carries for 70 yards and a 35-yard run on a fourth down that sealed the win. He goes, this just in. We're not going to do anything that we don't have to do. We were running the ball well last week, and if the opposition can't stop you, there's no need to overcomplicate things. So, Brent, is that what we expect today? I mean, 11th-ranked rushing attack is, is Toledo. BYU has had trouble stopping the run. I mean, do we expect it to be ground and pound all day, or do you think that you will see a little bit more of a balanced offensive attack? They want balance. Uh, don't mistake what I was saying earlier for being just a one-trick pony. But in the past, when you've got uh, the, the program's all-time leading passer graduating just two years ago in Logan Woodside, who's on an NFL roster for a reason, they would throw to set up the run. This year's version of the Rockets, I think, maybe runs to set up the pass a little bit more. But make no mistake about it, if you run for five or throw for five, it still counts for five. And the key today in talking with each of the offensive coaches is to win first or second down. You want to be looking at second and five or less because that keeps your playbook wide open. Brent, watching the film of this Toledo defense, they you mentioned the word balance, and I see that. They're... So far, who teams at BYU have played, they're either kind of sitting back and playing some pretty moderate, you know, not blitzing a ton, or, or they're really aggressive in your face. What does what kind of give us some insight into Toledo's game plan and what they think will have the best success against the Cougars, kind of playing more traditional zone, uh, bend, don't break defense, or getting after them? Now, that's interesting because I talked with defensive coordinator Brian George after Thursday's walkthrough, and he goes, we can't become predictable. He goes, we're going to give uh, Zach Wilson different looks. We don't want him to think he sees what he doesn't see pre-snap. And let's be honest, offensively pre-snap, you may beat the corner, with your pre-snap read, you still have to beat the safety with the throw. So they're going to drop back. They might press a little bit. Don't forget the second level of this defense, too, knows that BYU's offense wants to spread the field width-wise, all 53 and a third to 53 and a third. So they know that there's going to be some instances where they're forced into one-on-one matchups. I would say keep an eye on number 20. The position is called the star. It's kind of a hybrid where you may have to drop on your pre-snap read on one play and cover one of the quickest guys on the field. But Saeed Holt, pre-snap read the very next snap, may have to be coming downhill, taking on one of the biggest guys on the field in run support. That position is going to be key this afternoon. Talking with the voice of the Toledo Rockets, Brent Balbinot here on Cougar Pre-Game Live. 
I heard Coach uh, Candle talk earlier this week uh, that saying BYU is probably the best team they will have faced. Zach Wilson, the best quarterback that they will have faced. What, what is the talk on the Toledo side about this two and two Cougar team? Uh, explosive. I know last week, having watched the film, having sat and watched it with a couple of coaches live while we were waiting for a very late kickoff in Fort Collins last week, you find ways to try and entertain yourself in the hotel room and not get stale. BYU kind of hurt themselves last week. I think you guys would admit to it by not being able to hang on to the football. There were good gains that all of a sudden turned into to Washington possessions because of the turnover. I know they want to keep Zach Wilson in between the hash marks this afternoon and not necessarily sacking him with the way that the game has been designed, especially over the last five to 10 years. Boom, 1,001, 1,000, ball should be out of your hand by what? Two seconds tops. So a sack isn't maybe necessarily what it used to be, but they pride themselves on quarterback hurries here. If you, number one, can keep him in the pocket and number two, get him off his base disrupt the flow of the play they pride themselves on the quarterback hurry just as much as the sack and I would say take a look at defensive end Jamal Hines number 91 now they will flip him back and forth today he won't necessarily line up uh, on the left edge all game long but at 6'3 250 pounds I think his matchup against left tackle Brady Christensen is going to be very interesting today. Guadani, if I were to, looking at his history and studying up on him in preparation for this game, one word would be efficiency. His mm-hmm. numbers are out of the – and he doesn't seem to get rattled. Last year in an injury-shortened season, you know, he was, I think, 13 to 2 or 3 interceptions, mm-hmm. and so far four uh, touchdowns to no interceptions here. So what – tell us a little bit about his personality and how he seems to remain such a good decision-maker regardless of the opponent. Well, first, he's a good paisan. One Italian to another. Everybody's asking me, how do you pronounce Guadani? I got family members that can't pronounce my own last name, so we got to stick together. But in all honesty, last year, again, taking over for Logan Woodside, young man threw for over 10,000 yards. I think in the history of the game, and especially when you consider the modern game of college football, maybe the late 40s through the 50s, I think what only 30 players in the history of college football had thrown for more than 10,000 yards. Now all of a sudden, He's got to take over for that guy. And I know Coach Candle and offensive coordinator Brian Wright both said to him, we don't want you chasing ghosts. You go out and be the best version of you. Well, of course, the bullets are going to be flying a little bit quicker. The game's going to be moving faster just because you're amped up. The irony is, and we've kind of joked with this, he's such a great athlete that he trusts his legs a little too much. Uh, Coach Wright's referred to it as running home to mama. You know, 1,001, 1,002, okay, forget about getting rid of the ball. I'm going to make a play. And when he does, when he gets past the line of scrimmage, he's like another running back. The problem there is he, he makes himself available to a lot of extra hits. And he only played barely more than half a, a season last year because he was scrambling at the Western Michigan, uh, Michigan game, ironically, trying to allow his receivers more time downfield to develop a route, and he got sacked and broke his collarbone. Season opener this week against Kentucky. He did what they wanted him to. He was getting down. He wasn't struggling for extra yardage. And ironically, you guys have seen this probably a million times like we have. As he's lowering his level, Kentucky's linebacker just happened to be at that spot and took his helmet off, and he goes into the the concussion protocol. Last week, they told him, step up in the pocket. You can buy yourself an extra second or two instead of flaring out one way or the other. Allow your receivers that extra step to maybe extend the stem on a route come back on scramble rules and he didn't need to pass a ton last week because the Rockets were running the football effectively so what you're seeing is a quarterback that is growing up in front of your eyes this year he's much more confident 
His pre-snap read is a lot better, and the game is just overall slowed down for him. Brent, last thing for you, and we again appreciate you taking the time this morning. Most everybody that's looked at this game believes it will be a close game. Vegas has BYU, last time I saw, favored by two and a half. The mm-hmm. ESPN uh, Football Power Index has Toledo uh, favored by about 54%. Uh, so I think everybody assumes this will be a close game. How do you see this one playing out? Not necessarily winner or loser, but what type of game do you expect? Well, for entertainment purposes only, because my bosses don't like me talking about gambling all that often on the air, but there's a reason they build lots and lots of big, shiny palaces up and down the Strip in Vegas, and that's because the house always wins. I do see this being a close game. It is not going to be anywhere near the 55-53 contest that we saw, what, three years ago at the base of the Wasatch Front. I do believe that both teams' defenses are better than they're probably being given credit for, but at the same time, I think we're going to see, I wouldn't call it a coin flip, because obviously the home field advantage does count for something. This place holds about 27,000. They are expecting an overflow crowd today. So hopefully you guys are going to see this place with uh, the foundation rocking. I think what we're probably going to be talking about, and you can say this in any game, but especially today when you've got two offenses that can move the ball, is that one key stop maybe in the first half, that one key stop in the second half, and we'll look back and say, boom, there's where the game turned. I see this. I think the over-under was 60 as of yesterday. Uh, I haven't checked this morning, so I apologize. But I think we're probably looking at right about that. I think we're looking at a 37-33, maybe a a 40-34 type of ball game today. Brent, great stuff. Thank you so much. Brent Balbinot, the radio voice of the Toledo Rockets. We'll let you go and uh, let you get ready for your broadcast. Have a good call. Thank you, sir. There we go. My one-on-one with Emmanuel Isupa coming up a little bit later on in Shep Talk. But next... It's Cougar Cuts. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU and Toledo coming your way in just a little bit. I am in our BYU Radio Studios in Provo. Riley Nelson joining me from the Glass Bowl in Toledo, Ohio. And, Riley, it's time for Cougar Cuts. And, unfortunately, and you know this as well as anybody, injuries are a part of sport that doesn't make it hurt any less when a player goes down with an injury. And as we've discussed a lot already, Tyson Williams done for the year with a torn ACL in his left knee. Head coach Kalani Sitake discussed the loss of Tyson. Obviously, we're disappointed in the, uh, you know, in this injury, and uh, more than anything for for Tyson, all the hard work that he put in uh, to this season, and the things that he's done for our program in such a short amount of time, and so um, I think his role still continues, just a different role, uh, his leadership role, and the things that he demands from that running back group. I know that they'll play hard for him. His team will play hard for him, and guys like Zane that are lost for the year, and uh, I think right now those two and Hank Tukwotu are the ones that that are have been the the ones that are out for the season. But his role as a leader still continue, and we're still going to lean heavily on him uh, to help this team out. They're still part of the roster, still part of our team. Too early to determine if uh, if he'll apply for a hardship waiver. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're just looking at all the the details, just try to get him healthy first, and then well, we'll figure out that stuff. But there's a lot of different options that we're looking into, but nothing's been um, defined yet. Nothing's definite right now. Now, Micah Simon is Tyson's roommate, and earlier in the week, Micah discussed what the the mood was like when Tyson got the news. It was pretty tough, man. Saturday night. I was probably like one of the first people to find out. 
because we were just at home together, and uh, it was tough for him, tough for me to see him kind of in that in that state of mind uh, as a as a friend, as a brother, as a teammate. And uh, yeah, I was just sick to my stomach. Um, but you know, we we have a lot of great uh, people on this team and in this program that that that, that care for him and that, that love him up and lift him up, and uh, and he'll 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 bounce he'll bounce back and he'll be all right. You know, Riley, as I, as I mentioned a couple of times, certainly there are the ramifications of what this means for the BYU football program. But first and foremost, this is just really devastating news for Tyson Williams, who was finally at a place where he was kind of the featured guy and he was playing well. And then to have this happen, what, what, a, what, a, what a bummer for him specifically. Yeah, tremendously sad for someone who's put in. You always, whenever someone dedicates so much of their time, energy, and effort, you want to see them be able to enjoy the return on that investment of time, energy, and effort. And that opportunity was taken away. But as we all know, we're not defined by what happens to us, but rather how we respond to it. And that goes the same goes for Tyson. We'll, it, it will be great to see how he'll respond coming back, getting healthy, rehabbing, but also how this team responds losing such an integral member of their offense. Well, and speaking of responding defensively BYU looking to respond to some of their struggles on stopping the opposition's running game BYU near the bottom uh, I believe 120th in the country in rushing defense giving up 215 yards per game on the ground and I asked coach Satake why he feels the team has struggled stopping the run We've got to get some good runners, and, and uh, we haven't been able to, the first week we didn't tackle very well, and there's a lot of different things that we can improve on, and so I thought we've improved on that, a lot of a lot of new bodies in the game and stuff like that, and we've had some injuries along the way, so we've had to move some positions to get the right guys on the field, but uh, when it all comes down to it, we just have to execute better defensively, so there's not really one answer I can give you that's going to make everyone happy other than we're working on it hard, and, and our guys are going to work hard this week, and I have a good feeling that we can get it fixed. Riley, I feel very confident that BYU's offense is going to be able to move the ball and score some points. I, I really think, and I'm, you know, I'm not breaking any news here, I'm not the only one that, that views things this way, I think this game's going to come down to how BYU handles the rushing attack of Toledo. No question, and it's a unique rushing attack that they'll f- have faced for the first time this season. And b- by that, I mean it's one where they get the quarterback involved. He His 119 yards, while I think it's more than we can expect from him last week, is more than we can expect from him this week. He is a threat in that run game, and their scheme is designed to be it's a run. It is a spread option attack, which means that at any point he can pull it and take it if the opportunity is there. Uh, I, Kalani started off that the Cougar Cup by talking about they faced some good runners. Uh, athletically, I don't think they faced as good of runners but the scheme pr- proposes its own set of challenges today and you're right the this has to be you know the mission should they choose to accept it this has to be the one they have to make sure they get on top of today i like the mission impossible reference on the other side i go one-on-one with soup emmanuel Supa in shep talk more cougar pregame live coming up after this on the new skin byu sports network You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. 
The BYU Cougars back in the eastern time zone in Toledo, Ohio, getting ready to face the 2-1 and one Toledo Rockets. Now with the loss of leading rusher Tyson Williams, more of the workload will be placed on the shoulders of Emmanuel Isupa and Lopini Katoa. For this week's Shep Talk, I sat down with Isupa, or Soup, to discuss his increased role, and I started things off with how the team has bounced back this week in practice after the loss to Washington. Uh, just more focus and you know what we messed up in the game um, you know watching film learning from it and then applying those uh, lessons to the field so that's pretty much what's been lately what is the thing you've been working on the most in terms of trying to improve not just you specifically but the offense in general as you get ready for Toledo playing fast and uh, you know just knowing your assignments and uh, you know playing confidently that's the biggest thing how much fun is it by the way to play that up-tempo style I mean I, I know some people may not necessarily like it but for the most part, it seems people love that type of tempo. Oh, yeah, it's really fun. It's, it's fun to catch the defense off guard, you know, get them tired, especially when teams come up, uh, up here in the elevation. So um, it, it's really fun to do. I love it. Are you officially, like, have you acclimated 100% to the elevation, or do you still find yourself sometimes trying to catch your breath? Uh, yes and no. Like, I, I feel good, but it's, there's sometimes I'm like, okay, that's, that's the elevation hitting me. But, uh, yeah, I think I've, I've, I've been good. What was it like for you to be able to get your first touchdown? How did that feel for you? It felt great. You know, I felt like, you know, um, you know, it's been a long time coming. You know, I've uh, been in this program since April, and uh, I feel like I've been here forever, you know, with the relationship I built with my guys. And I uh, went back to the sideline, and everybody was loving me up, and everybody was happy for me. So it was just a great feeling. What is your relationship with your teammates? You've talked about that before and just how strong that is. How strong is that bond uh, that you have, not just with other running backs, but your teammates in general? I think the bond is strong. You know, uh, we uh, hang out like outside of football. You know, sometimes we all just meet up and just hang out. So uh, the bonds are very strong. And uh, one thing that you know they stress uh, a lot here is becoming a family, and that's like off the field as well. So um, we just try our best to you know get as close as possible, get get to know each other, and just you know uh, love, laugh, and just learn with each other. And I know you've scored touchdowns in other places, obviously, but did did you keep your touchdown your first with BYU? No, sir, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. You know, I was just thinking about, like, okay, now we're closer to, you know, chipping away uh, at the score, and now, you know, we got to get another drive going. I was just thinking about the team and the game. I wasn't thinking about that. You clearly weren't thinking of it in that moment, but in general, are you the type of guy that collects that kind of – is that kind of stuff important to you to have? No, sir, not at all. Um, I'm more of a, a team guy. Just so If we win, we win, you know. That's what fans love to hear. That's what teammates love to hear, being a team guy. Speaking of the team, and unfortunately injury is just a part of sports. They're the awful part of sports. What was your reaction, certainly when you saw Tyson go down and then have to be helped off, but once you found out he was done for the year, what was your reaction to that? Devastation, you know. I just feel for him. Um, you know, I'm in the same position he is. It could easily have been me. Um, I just feel for him, really, and I'm, I'm really sad that happened. I'm really sorry that happened, you know. Um, but now, uh, you know, we're, we're going to play for him and we're going to have to, you know, dedicate the season to him and, you know, try our best to uh, uh, win games for him. It does mean, obviously, uh, an added load for you and Lopini and others. I've got to imagine to a certain extent, though, that that's exciting to be able to know that, that you're going to have an opportunity to, to produce more. Yes, sir, but I don't like to think of it in that way. Uh, I just want to, you know, play for him and, you know, do the best I can to help the team uh, win games. What do you believe in terms of this running back group on the ground? How confident are you guys right now? We're pretty confident. You know, we have a great O-line, uh, great coaching staff uh, that calls great plays, great scheme uh, every week, uh, you know, to go against the defense. So we're pretty confident in our group. What do you know about the Toledo defense right now? 
I know they play hard. Um, they play fast. You know, they play with the chip on the shoulder. Um, you know, these guys fly around the field, uh, sideline to sideline, so that's something we have to prepare for. And these guys are just tough, so we got to get after it. Everyone wants to say we're done with the first month. You don't have to worry about these teams as much as you did maybe the first four. You guys certainly aren't looking at it that way, right? No, sir. We have to take every team seriously. We have to respect every single team that we play, um, and that's our mindset. We're not looking past anybody, um, you know, so we're, we're definitely not thinking like that. Your body clock, the game will be at, like, 10 a.m. Does it matter to you at all when you play the game? Uh, my thoughts are just uh, prepare more uh, before the game, you know, uh, days before the game, hydrate more, uh, sleep more, eat well, uh, just do everything you can in your power to, you know, uh, put your body in the right position to compete. It was announced this week that, that BYU has signed a two-year deal with Rice, your former school. We're calling it the A.J. Stewart Emanuel Isupa <laughs> Bowl is That's what funny. we're calling it. What are your thoughts on your current team playing your former team in the future? Uh, it's really exciting. You know, um, I'll, I'll definitely try to make the game uh, wherever I am in life. I'll, I'll definitely try to be there, if not just watching. But it's really exciting. I wish I could play in it. And it was just a coincidence to, you know, just wake up and, and see that. You know, I wasn't expecting that. So it's really cool. For those that may not necessarily know a lot about Rice football, what, what's the energy around Rice football in the area, fan support, things like that, for those that maybe don't necessarily know a whole lot about it? Um, the energy is hope, you know. Uh, right now they're uh, in a stage where they're, uh, you know, creating foundations and building blocks to become a great team. And I think what they have uh, going over there is amazing, and uh, they're going to get better and better every single year uh, under Coach Bloom's system. So uh, right now just everybody is just, uh, you know, uh, looking at a bright future. All right, Soup, let's wrap things up with the final four. These are the personality questions that we end the interview with. So the first question for you is, who was your favorite athlete growing up? Favorite athlete growing up uh, definitely have to be LeBron James, just because he not only is, you know, the greatest on the court, but, you know, off the court, he's a great role model to, uh, you know, um, look up to. You know, he's a family man. He's never been in trouble or anything like that. He's uh, giving back to his community, so... He's definitely my favorite athlete. Still to this day, still your favorite athlete? Yes, sir. Okay, you could go on vacation anywhere. Where are you going? I have to be in Nigeria because that's where my family roots are from, so I would love to go back and visit family. Have you been back then? No, but that's like a dream come true, so I'll definitely you know, want to do that in the near future. What was the last movie you saw in a theater? We saw um, uh, that astronaut movie with Brad Pitt. Uh, oh, Ad Astra? Yeah, Is that what it's called? We saw that as a team last week, so... Uh, yeah, that was the last movie. Was it good? Because I wasn't interested when I first saw the previews, but it's got quite a bit of buzz. Is, is it worth seeing? Uh, maybe if you're into that astronomical stuff. I, I really wasn't into it. I, I found it kind of boring. Just, just my opinion. You know, I didn't really, I didn't really like it. I thought maybe you were going to say because I, I talked with Micah Simon last week, and he said you guys went and saw 47 meters down, and it was horrible, and you guys were cheering when people were eaten by the sharks. Yeah, we we made that video, that movie fun. You know, <laughs> that was a good time for the team, but there's nothing we could do with this astronaut movie. It was just, it was just there. All right, last question: What does it mean to you to wear the Y? Um, you know, uh, Coach Taki always drills in our head that you know that we're we're a culture of love and learning. Um, so to wear the Y is just to, you know, love our teammates, love our families, you know, play for God and uh, learn the game of football and have fun with it every day. Emmanuel, great stuff. Appreciate the time and good luck against the Rockets. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. That was Emmanuel Isupa, this week's Shep Talk conversation. We will visit with The Voice, Greg Grubel, coming up in just about 10 minutes. But next, I always love this segment. It's our weekly QB read with Riley. You're tuned into Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
get you back to Jason Shepard and Riley Nelson for more Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's already week five of the college football season. BYU back out on the road in Toledo taking on the Toledo Rockets. Now, as a former player, my co-host Riley Nelson brings a unique perspective to each week's games, obviously. We call it the QB Read with Riley. What do you have for us this week, Riley? This week I have uh, some word association, the one for the offense and one for the defense. The one for the offense is breakout. Breakout's a bad thing for teenagers. Uh, <laughs> it normally means something's going on with their skin, you know, or, or a disease or epidemic or a criminal getting out of jail. But for today, this offense is an opportunity to break out, and I expect uh, a, an explosion of offensive performance of I'm going to go ahead and put it out there, 40-plus points and 450-plus yards. You know, last, it, for the Cougar fans that stayed up late and watched the game against Colorado State, you did see all the big runs. And, and it is true that Toledo had seven plays of more than 20, six of those coming on the ground. But Colorado State had 10-plus plays of more than 20 yards. So while we haven't seen a ton of those from this BYU offense, hopefully it, I figure if Colorado State can manage 10 plays of 20 yards or more, then uh, this BYU Cougar offense is certainly capable if they uh, if they execute. For this BYU defense, it is uh, the, the theme for the week is tackling fuel. Coach Klein said it best when he was coaching up a young linebacker at Southeast Louisiana Lafayette State in Bobby Boucher. Of course, these are all Waterboy movie references. Sorry to everyone out there who doesn't get uh, Jason and I's pop culture. <laughs> somebody's, somebody's going on Google trying to figure out who this linebacker is. <laughs> Bobby Boucher, one of the greats. <laughs> he is one of the greats. Uh, but uh, Coach Klein said you got to find your tackle and fuel, Bobby, and that's what this BYU defense does. It's going to require – look, Toledo's very good. They're dedicated. They, they Culturally, they pride themselves on being a, glue, a blue-collar physical offense and had a lot of success running the ball, which I think they want to try and replicate this week given what they've seen uh, from the BYU defense in a performance. So – what does that tackle and fuel mean? It means everyone has to be committed to pursuing sideline to sideline. It, ne- it means that you need all 11 guys finishing every play around the ball. It takes a village uh, to get good runners down, and especially in this running attack where Toledo kind of likes to they, – they do a lot of power schemes. They have, you know, sometimes they'll have – they have an H-back on almost every play, but uh, sometimes even two H-backs where they're, they're pulling, they're chopping, they're doing wham blocks. And so you need everybody committed in those scenarios. And then the last element of tackle and fuel that they need for today is to account for the quarterback because he is a pretty good athlete and he is very smart and, and timely at pulling out the ball and taking advantage of, uh, of opportunities for the quarterback run when given to him. You know, I want to go back to your point on offense, and I love the 40-plus. I think that's fan. I would be happy with 30-plus. Uh, but if BYU can score 40-plus points uh, and have 450-plus yards, that's going to be a good day, I think, for the Cougars. But you brought up the, the big plays, the, maybe not necessarily big, but more chunk plays, the, the plays of 20-plus. And if you look, certainly this was not the only reason why. There were a lot of things that worked in BYU's favor that they did well in the two wins. But one of the things that you can look at in the win at Tennessee, certainly the, the big play was the pass to Micah Simon, and then you had larger chunk plays in the win over USC. Those were prominent in those victories. You didn't see them as much against Washington. You didn't see them you really at all against Utah. 
I know the coaches have talked about wanting to have more plays downfield, more of those chunk yardage plays. And so far, in the games BYU has won, they've had them. The games where they haven't won, they haven't been around. And those aren't just going to magically create themselves. They have to be architected and built into the offense. You know, I, Greg and I were talking as we were preparing for uh, the game today. I haven't, we haven't seen a lot out of this BYU offense, like hitch and goes, or out and ups, or post corners, or corner posts. Right, uh, some some double move routes down the field. We've seen some stuff. You know, we've seen some good plays with the the end arounds and the end around passes and then the fake end around and those type of things. But in the passing game, I want to see them get creative with the route running. Now, they felt against the first four opponents uh, probably constrained by the amount of time that Zach has to throw. Those routes, those double move routes do take a lot of time to develop downfield. And so unless you're sure you can get three and a half seconds of protection, it's a big risk in running it. I think they can be able to consistently provide three and three and a half seconds of protection, and so we can get a bit, little bit more creative to, with the route running, and that will lead to more chunk plays. One thing I just learned on the in the pregame, listening to Toledo's pregame, is that their best corner, their starting corner, senior and a two and a half year starter for him, is out, and they're starting a freshman in his place. So they're they're left on the field with their second best corner, and then a, a freshman who, while he's played in every game to this point, this will be his first start. So again, a great opportunity on the edge. I think BYU with Aleva Hifo and Matt Bushman in the middle and in the slot, and even Dax doing some work in there. I think they have an advantage against the coverage ability of these Toledo safeties. So again, hopefully it's a balanced kind of attack. But when I say 450 plus yards, I'm I'm hoping or shooting for 300 through the air and 150 on the ground. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely going to be an opportunity for BYU's offense to put up points today. I said I said that earlier. I, I'm excited to see what BYU's offense can do on the road today. All right, that's QB Reed with Riley. Up next, we will visit with The Voice. Greg Rubel joins us. Cougar Pregame Live rolls on next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Jason Shepard with you in our BYU Radio Studios, getting you ready for the BYU Cougars at 2-2 two and two on the road at the Toledo Rockets, who come in with a record of 2-1. and one. Coming up a little bit later on in Cougar Pregame Live, you'll hear from Mitchell Jurgens. He'll be on the sidelines of today's broadcast. He'll join me coming up in a little bit. We'll also hear from the head coach of the Rockets, Jason Candle. But right now, always love our visit with The Voice. Joining us now, voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hello, Greg. How are you this fine morning? Good morning, Jason. Long day for you. Longer day for you than us. Long but fun day, yes. It is a a fun day, and it's always fun when I get to talk with you, especially here, because you've just wrapped up your pregame conversation with Kalani Satake. And before we get to maybe any any of uh, some game-specific questions, any personnel or noteworthy items come out of that pregame conversation? Sure, we'll get to a couple. And I want to just uh, quickly mention to you a bit about the venue here uh, as we talk about the conversation with Kalani. So we, we conducted our interview just outside the entrance to the BYU locker room area. And, and that entrance is part of a, uh, let's call it a stone turret. Uh, it's like a stone tower, uh, if you will, at both the uh, north and uh, northwest and northeast ends of the stadium. We're talking about an old cobbled together like rock and stone turret tower situation. It was pretty cool. We're actually uh, we, we did this interview outside this old timey field. Now this is a building built in 1937, 
And I think uh, what I'm viewing there in the it almost looked like that might date to the original construction. It's uh, it's wow. pretty cool. So yeah, so uh, there, there there was an old timey vibe uh, for the pregame interview. Personnel wise, there's some good stuff to talk about. Uh, linebackers who have been banged up and missing are back and playing. Uh, Jackson Kofusi. Uh, Keenan Peely, uh, primarily among them, uh, are, are healthy and, and, and good to go, or at least healthier and available to go. Devin Kafusi as well. So all those guys have missed time recently. They're back. Tyler Algier stays as a linebacker. So even though BYU's down numbers-wise at running back, uh, Tyler's going to stay at linebacker, which puts Jackson McChesney now into the mix at, at linebacker. Uh, rather, at running back, beg your pardon. So now the backs you're talking about are Emmanuel Asupa, Lopini Katoa, Sione Finau and Jackson McChesney, if you had to go one through four right now. Mason Wake occupies kind of an H-back, fullback, tight end role. You see him on occasion uh, in, in the BYU offense. And what's going to happen now with no Tyson Williams is everyone kind of bumps up a spot. So the number of reps Lopini Katoa was getting before will now go to Sione Finau, for example. And then Lopini takes Soup's spot, and then Soup takes Tyson's spot, and that's kind of where the uh, where the running back order stays today. Moroni Laulupututau is a game captain today, hence Captain Moroni. And uh, yet how much he plays today remains a question. He's on the trip, uh, is getting worked on, didn't play last week. They're just trying to get him ready week to week. It seems like it's one thing or another with Moroni, but he is a captain. We'll see if he actually gets on the field for snaps today. But uh, I, I think overall, uh, Jason, with, with, with the Tyson Williams news being the most dramatic and negative, other things are beginning, beginning to shape up for BYU from a health standpoint. But, man, that, that Tyson Williams absence is yeah. just uh, – it's just massive, and it reminds us of the last time BYU and Toledo played. It was a Williams who went off for BYU in Jamal, and that could have been Tyson's game today, that kind of game. I think he would have gotten a lot of work and done a lot of good things with it. So we'll see how Soup and the others respond. But uh, no Tyson is a, is a big-time downer uh, for this BYU football team. Bryant Kobach, conversely, is uh, he's, he's, he's a playmaker, and he's a, he's a yard gainer, and he is someone that uh, uh, the BYU coaches think has, has some pro potential in him. And he's the one BYU has to worry most about uh, today. What I'm worried most about, Jason, is uh, is points and, and scoring, uh, finishing drives with, with scores. Last year, under Jeff Grimes in his first year, the red zone uh, touchdown percentage was among the real positives. Even though some other numbers may have lagged, BYU made up for it by being so efficient inside the 20 with so many touchdowns scored. Well, well, this year, it's kind of gone back, and, and BYU's not been a very good run, uh, red zone touchdown team they're scoring decently enough in the red zone but doing it with so many field goals so much so that uh, Jake Oldroyd is the only kicker in the FBS right now coming into this weekend who had hit double digits in field goals made with 10 and so what BYU is doing is is having to drive long distances and then not finishing with touchdowns in fact of BYU's four scoring drives of 10 plus plays this year none have resulted in a touchdown and I also look for the touchdown pass number to have to see an uptick. BYU has only three touchdown passes in four games. And, uh, and knowing the talent of Zach Wilson and what he had coming back, I think more was expected from the pass game than we've seen so far, which is with just those three touchdown passes. And, and yes, uh, schedule is a function, but I think today has to be the kind of day where that number might even double in one day. Greg, uh, you mentioned all those defensive players coming back, which I'm excited to hear because I think they're going to need them today. But there's a difference. Um, to, historically, Kalani, it seems like he lets his players recruit, recoup to full health or full strength before coming back rather than bringing them back and, and getting early. Do you get that same sense with you know Jackson and Devin and all the, all the defensive players coming back that they're, we expect to see them at full strength rather than playing with a nagging injury? 
That's that's the vibe I get, and I, I and I think Moroni is a pretty good example of that. I don't think there was any push made for him last week, uh, and and so one week cleaner is hopefully one week more able uh, for someone like Moroni. And that is the sense I get. Yeah, it, it, as you saw, they would rather convert a running back to linebacker than maybe risk somebody who's maybe not maybe not quite all the way back at linebacker. So yeah, I, I think it's a pretty fair assessment. We've talked a lot, Greg, about the ability for BYU's rush defense to improve. And, and Kalani was, was asked, I asked him about it earlier in the week, and he's like, you know, we played some really good running backs. And, but yes, there, on BYU's end, there were some execution issues that we could have improved on. Knowing that that is one of the biggest keys in today's game, what else besides just the rush defense are you focusing on today? BYU's rush defense? Correct. Right. Yeah, it, it, as I kind of hinted at a little earlier, I, I want to see uh, you know, touchdown passes. I, I think it has to be a staple of this year's BYU offense uh, and, and downfield work. I think there's I, there has to be more um, to be had downfield. Uh, and I think it may be, have t- may be tough to have been shown considering the caliber of BYU's first four opponents, particularly in the secondary. But, but as, as, as the P5 talent drops off the schedule, I, I think the downfield looks will have to increase for BYU. So that's, that's what I would look for today. Um, more downfield productivity and, and more getting into the end zone through the air uh, with BYU starting today because uh, Toledo is susceptible. Now when I say susceptible, we're talking about um, you know, a team that ranks in the bottom 10 in yards per play and yards per game allowed. Uh, their, their rush defense is, is, is very generous as well. Uh, 107th nationally in rush defense. So, the, so there are numbers to be taken advantage of if you're BYU. But one thing I will say about Toledo is they overperform their numbers when it comes to points. Um, the numbers I just gave you with, with those you know, past 100 rankings in, in rush defense and yards per play and yards per game, well, that, that, that would indicate a team that's allowing more points than, than Toledo actually is right now because their, their red zone defense has, uh, although it's not great in terms of overall scoring, they don't allow a lot of red zone touchdowns. So, so after all of that, they're allowing 24 points per game. When you'd think the numbers I gave you is more along the lines of 30 points per game. Right. Well, they're, they're down at 24, so they tend to toughen up when it matters most, which is inside the 20, and that is where BYU struggled the most this year. So if we were to look at maybe one other uh, subcategory to examine today, Shep, it's going to be red zone defense from Toledo and BYU's ability to get it in the end zone from inside the 20 on offense. Greg, great stuff as always. We're going to let you and Riley get going, get ready for your portion of of pregame, and then obviously getting ready for the broadcast. Thank you so much, uh, Greg, for stopping by and joining us as you always do with some great insight. And Riley, thanks for uh, for co-hosting the first hour with me. We'll talk to you guys in just a little bit. Thanks, Shep. You bet. There we go. After a quick break, our view from the sidelines with Mitchell Juergens as Cougar Pregame Live continues on. Before that, though, let's quickly pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU Radio, 107.9 FM, KUMT Randolph, and KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU Cougars getting ready to face the Toledo Rockets. Always happy to be joined by former Cougar receiver, current sideline reporter Mitchell Jurgens. All right, Mitchell, you may get uh, you may get a little wet today. Is that uh, is, I know it's overcast skies, but Riley said the the weather may be clearing up. Are you, you going to avoid getting uh, rained on today? 
I, I hope so. It's you know it's looking it's looking pretty good. When I when I flew in last night, it wasn't, and so I was a little concerned. But yeah, hoping I stay dry. But if not, um, you know the team's got me set up with a poncho, and, nice. and I just may have to endure it. So you're you're yeah. look you're you're used to working with the elements. It doesn't matter as the former player. You can't worry about the the outside stuff. You just worry about what you can control and go out and perform. That's what I, that's what I know you will do today. Absolutely, and you know, there's there's no controlling Mother Nature, so I'm just gonna take whatever it brings and and uh, enjoy some BYU football. That's right. Well, what the first month brought to BYU was a two and two record. How do you view two and two? Yeah, so you know, coming off a loss, um, you know, I know a lot of people are wanting that three and one. Um, they were hopeful that you know we'd come through. Um, just based on how the season progressed, but but to be honest, Jason, I'm very pleased and impressed with what BYU has done so far. Um, you know, BYU, we've talked about it before, they've had the hardest schedule in college football to date. And, and so, you know, BYU should be really proud uh, of the, the month that they've had so far here in September. And it, it's just been, you know, an impressive and hard-fought um, hard fought schedule where there's a lot of good that's come out of these first four games. Um, and, and so what I, what I want to see today is, you know, looking at the next eight games and for the rest of the season, this will be where we really find out who this BYU team is. You know, how good this offense really is. When you, when you play, you look at those first four games, you know, even if BYU has this great offense or this great defense, they're limited to some capacity just because of the opponents they're playing. And so th- you know, looking forward to this, uh, to the rest of the season, and especially today, we're going to find out who really is this BYU team, and and can they, you know, run the table, or can they, you know, just drive and, and, and average, you know, thirty to forty points a game, and and so I, I, I'm just really curious to see kind of what team comes out today, and, and what we'll see for the rest of the season. In BYU's two losses, they lost the turnover battle, including giving up turnovers that led directly to points. In the two wins, a clean sheet. What plays into turnovers more? Is it your own mistakes and lack of execution, or is it the opposing team forcing them? Yeah, so, I mean, it's always going to be somewhat of a combination, but, you know, when I look back at BYU's turnovers, so they had three against Utah, three against Washington, um, I'm going to say the majority of those have been BYU's own mistakes. Um, You know, against Utah, you have the faulted exchange between Zach Wilson and Tyson Williams. Obviously, you know, that's a mistake on BYU's part. And then you go to the two picks by Zach, and, you know, Zach was trying to make two throws that maybe he shouldn't have tried to make. Um, You had a wide-open Tyson Williams, but he's going down. And and so, you know, I can view that as more of a mistake than than Utah making a play. Um, And then the second pick, he tried to squeeze in, I mean, probably to the tightest coverage that he saw the entire day. And so, you know, all three turnovers against Utah, I kind of view those as BYU's mistakes. You go to Washington, um, and, and you could argue that the two fumbles that we had with, um, you know, Zach, Zach Wilson with the strip sack and then Dax Milne the fumble, um, you can argue those are, are just great plays by Washington. Coming from an, a, a former offensive player, I like to, you know, say that those are mistakes because it is your job to hold on to the ball. Um, and, and then, you know, you go to that pick at the end of the game, Eleva Hefo falls. And so the way that I view, you know, BYU's turnover so far, they've, they've been a majority, you know, BYU's own mistakes. And so they've got to clean those up. They've got to, you know, play clean football. Receivers have to catch the football. Um, you know, when, when you're going through coverage or, or you're going to get tackled, you know, put two hands on the ball, cover it up. And, and as long as they can do that, then that's, you know, that's my key um, to them limiting those mistakes and limiting those turnovers. 
Talking with Mitchell Jurgens. He's at the Glass Bowl. You'll hear him with Greg and Riley on the broadcast today as the Cougars take on the Toledo Rockets. This is actually the first time we have addressed this, and I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this, but as a former player, does the early start time from a BYU perspective have any bearing on this game? So the early start is honestly only has bearing on the game if the players make it to be that way. Um, you know, you come, and part of this is, too, with this game specifically, you know, BYU travels two time zones. With the team traveling on Thursday, you're not going to run. I mean, you avoid those those issues of, hey, we flew in Friday night, just jumped two time zones, coming with an early kick, and, and you can blame um, maybe on just the lack of rest or lack of sleep just, just with that quick ch- turnaround and change. Um, but with them traveling on Thursday, there's no reason for this game to uh, you know, this early start to have any effect on the players unless they make it to be. Um, it, it takes a lot of discipline for these players to recognize, hey, you know, it's 11, 12 o'clock here on the East Coast. Why don't I feel tired? Um, and it's easy to just kind of stay up and, um, and and not force yourself to go to bed. But, but these players need the rest, especially when I look back as a player, I needed my rest. And so when you travel to the East Coast, you've got to put yourself to bed. Um, you know, get the rest that you need so when you can wake up with energy to play this game. What are your expectations for Emmanuel Supa and Lopini Katoa as they try and pick up the slack for the injured Tyson Williams? I, I, I actually have pretty high expectations. I, I expect both to do very, very well. And it's not necessarily just because uh, of, of the fact that Toledo's rush defense has not been great either. I like both of their skill sets, and I think what we've started to see from Emmanuel Isupa as he's gotten healthier and a few more touches, I've been really impressed. I, I have pretty high expectations. I think he's going to do well. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I view um, Emmanuel Supa and Lopini as um, today especially as a true running back by committee approach. Um, you know, pr- probably see some more touches um, by Emmanuel Supa, but, I mean, these two players, we've seen flashes of greatness Um you know, last year, especially with Lopini, and this year already with Emmanuel. I mean, these are two great backs, and just because a player loses a starting job in camp does not mean that these players can't, you know, rise to the the bar that Tyson Williams has set. You know, I, I go back, and I haven't commented on it yet, but, you know, just a heartbreaking loss because Tyson Williams has been such a factor for the BYU offense and has brought something that, um, that, that was kind of missing last year, that physical back that can do everything, um, but when you look at you know the two guys replacing him today, these are very capable backs, and I think especially in this matchup, they've got every you know opportunity to even almost surpass like um, you know the the average yards per game or, or touches that that uh, Tyson Williams had um, had made previously, um, because this this matchup is so favorable from. The, the rushing attack, uh, you know, from a running back perspective. And so, you know, I see these guys coming out in, and for the rest of the season as well. These are two great backs, very capable, very athletic. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it's going to be fun to watch those guys. All right, Mitchell, we got about, uh, about 30, 45 seconds here. Toledo's certainly not a team to overlook. What do you believe is going to be the recipe for success today for the Cougars on both sides of the ball? Yeah, so the offense, no turnovers. You know, we talked about that. You can limit the turnovers. Um, those drives turn into touchdowns. Um, and, and so that, that's going to be the number one thing. The second thing, I, I want to see 40-plus points. I know that's a, that's, a big, that's a big goal and a bold statement. Riley said 40-plus, too. Okay, and, but this is, this is the matchup, and with, with how well you know, BYU's offense has performed against very tough opponents, 
you know, that's that's what I want to see today. Now, now very quickly, the defense, they've got to control the run game um, and limit the big plays. So, so those are the things I'm watching today, and, and uh, hopefully they can they can do that. Oh, man. I, every, when you said it, or excuse me, when Riley said it, and now with you saying it, fans are getting excited about the possibility <laughs> of 40-plus points today for the BYU. I, that would be fantastic. And I'm not saying that they're not capable. I, would, I think they're more than capable. I would love to see that because that means that this team on offense specifically is executing very well. And we've seen when they do that. They're a very difficult offense to stop. Absolutely. All right, Mitchell, great stuff. Appreciate it. We'll let you get going, and then we'll hear you on the broadcast with Greg and Riley. Hey, thanks so much. You bet. On the other side, we will go across the field and hear from Toledo head coach Jason Candle. That's next on Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cooper Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. Hopefully, hopefully you've had a, a good breakfast. Where Whatever you eat for breakfast, cereal, bacon and eggs, whatever, hopefully you've had it and you're ready. You've got your, uh, your fuel to sustain you through an early morning kickoff as BYU takes on the Toledo Rockets. Now, the head coach of the Rockets is Jason Candle. Coach Candle has been the head man in Toledo since 2016, but has been with the Rockets program for 10 years, first as an assistant coach. And earlier this week, he was asked about preparing for BYU. You know, I'm now back here preparing for a really good football team Saturday. The team has got a great tradition and great history and, you know, a, a deal that they've played a really tough schedule. You know, the four games that they've had so far is as good as anybody in the country, in my opinion, from a scheduling standpoint. So this will be a stiff challenge for us. Got to be ready to roll in all three phases. And, you know, we're diligently at work right now prepping for that. With BYU being tested with close games that eventually went to overtime, Coach Candle was asked if he feels his team is prepared for the possibility of a game that comes down to the wire. You know, much like our game a couple years ago out them out there with them, you know, that was right down to the wire, down to the last, you know, we lose on a field goal as time expires. And, yeah, you're, you're trying to stay battle-tested for 60 minutes, but I thought we, we had to do that against Kentucky and, you know, maybe not so much against Murray State, we had, but we got a chance to play a lot of guys in that game and give them some opportunities and some reps and some live action. So BYU's a tough team in all three phases, like I said. Going to really challenge you to, to, to find ways to create explosive plays that keep everything in front of them. The quarterback's a really good player, and, their formula, the formula to win games is going to keep them in games all the way to the end, all the way through, no matter who they play. So, you know, we know we've got to work out, cut out for us for all 60 minutes. Well, and in terms of being battle-tested, I mean, the game at, at Colorado uh, State in Fort Collins, that was certainly one uh, that was a close game. So, uh, But I, I certainly understand, you know, how the media in Toledo may wonder, you know, BYU has been in a couple of overtimes. They've had some of those close games. How do you match up if... I thought it was an interesting question to ask. And as you heard, Coach Candle, very uh, complimentary of this BYU football program. So Toledo's first three games have been against Kentucky, at Kentucky, home to Murray State, and then last week in Fort Collins against Colorado State. And Jason was asked if BYU will be the best team the Rockets will have faced so far. You know, I think in a lot of ways they are. You know, I think a lot of ways from a personnel standpoint, the inside guys on the defensive front are very similar to Kentucky's guys. Um, the offensive line is very similar to Kentucky's offensive line. You know, the back situation is probably comparable. Uh, quarterback, you know, this kid here is, is, is the best quarterback we've played to this point in time. 
you know, and the, the skilled players, maybe Kentucky had a little bit of an advantage there from that standpoint of it. But, uh, you know, we played some tremendous skilled guys Saturday night, you know, on the perimeter of that team, you know, nine and four and in the back um, could probably play anywhere in America from Colorado State. So, you know, another another game on the schedule where it presents a different set of challenges that we'll have to be ready for, for sure. Last week against Colorado State, Toledo only threw the ball 15 times for only six completions. And on the season, the Rockets have thrown the ball 71 times for 35 completions. And just to compare the two teams, BYU has thrown the ball 139 times with 87 completions. And you want to know why? Listen to this answer. This is amazing to me. Coach Candle was asked about Toledo's lack of passing. Well, when you throw it, two of the three things that could be the result are probably bad. You know, you could throw an interception, you could throw an incompletion, you know, and you know, there's only one good one, and that's catching it. So if you can run it for 9.5 yards of play like we were able to Saturday, there's no reason ever to throw it. He's not lying. When you're picking up chunk yardage like that, that's one of those things. Sometimes you will see maybe things being overcomplicated. You have something that's working. You may try and mix in something else. He's like, forget that. We're picking up almost 10 we're, – we're picking a, for up a first down almost every time we touch the ball. Why in the world would we risk throwing the football? I thought that was a, a fantastic uh, a f- fantastic soundbite. And, of course, it wouldn't be a BYU opponent if the Cougars' age wasn't brought up. And I have to say this in fairness to Coach Candle. He did not bring this up on his own. He was specifically asked about it, and his answer is actually pretty good. Well, you don't check IDs before the play. So it really isn't big, that big of a deal. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, this is a – you prepare for them like you prepare for every other team that you play. You get a scouting report. You take a look at what the strengths, the weaknesses are of, you know, in all three phases. You find your ways that you want to attack it, and you go play really hard. You know, I think the really cool thing about going out there and playing there a couple of years ago is, you know, these guys are guys that play football for the right reason, um, and they, they attack and approach the game, I think, just like our football team does, really a blue-collar approach, and it's really a clean football game. It's not a bunch of yapping and crazy stuff after the play. It's, it's you know, we're going to whack you for four to six seconds here, and we're going to get back up, and we're going to do it again, and we're going to pick you up after the play and, and do this for 60 minutes to see what happens. A lot of mutual respect from Coach Candle to BYU and obviously from the BYU football program back to Toledo. When we come back, we'll check out some other action in college football. About to uh, get a very busy day in college football underway. Uh, We'll update you on some of the games that you can uh, look for early in the afternoon. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. Final segment of Cougar Pregame Live. Our game set to kick off at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. That will be the earliest kick time uh, across college football today. Other 10 a.m. kickoff times, number six, Oklahoma, will be hosting Texas Tech. Northwestern will be in Madison to face the eighth-ranked Wisconsin Badgers. Also at 10 a.m., 14th-ranked Iowa hosting Middle Tennessee. Rutgers will be at number 20, Michigan. Arkansas at home will be hosting number 23, Texas A&M. Local teams outside of BYU, the University of Utah at home hosting Washington State, that game uh, is set to get underway at 8 o'clock Mountain Time 
uh, in Salt Lake City. Don't forget, uh, number nine, BYU Women's Volleyball at uh, Portland today. That game getting underway at 1 o'clock Mountain Time. And then tonight, uh, BYU Women's Soccer ranked fifth in the country, wrapping up non-conference play at Southfield. We will have it for you here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network, hosting UC Irvine. That is a wrap for Cougar Pre-Game Live. Coming up next is the Zions Bank Cougar Pre-Game Coaches Show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Pregame Live was brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over 25 years. Cougar Pregame Live is also proudly supported by Ken Garf, Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen in Orem. This is BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to get head coach Kalani Sataki's thoughts on today's game. It's the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show. Zions Bank, for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Let's join Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good morning, Cougar football fans. And for the first time in BYU football history, welcome inside the Glass Bowl in Toledo, Ohio. As today, BYU visits a Mid-American Conference venue for the first time in almost 50 years. My name is Greg Rubel. I'll have your play-by-play call today. Joined on the headset by the former BYU quarterback, the Southpaw signal caller, Riley Nelson. And uh, Riley, after an early season grind of those four consecutive P5 programs and three ranked teams among them, today BYU draws an unranked G5 foe on the surface more manageable assignment perhaps, but uh, the Cougs come in shorthanded on offense, uh, looking for some answers on defense, and taking on a Toledo team that has one of the best early season offenses in college football, particularly in the run game. No question, that's going to be, and, and it's a run game that's unique to what we've seen previously, but one that sets up nicely for the for the next few opponents on BYU's schedule. Traditionally in the run game, we've seen more quarterback takes from under center, turns around, hands it off to a very capable running back. Today we're going to see the what has become very popular in the last 10 years of college football, a spread option attack, one where the quarterback gets involved. A lot of quick tempo zone schemes, out of, and most of the run game happening out of shotgun. So it will provide a unique uh, challenge for this BYU defense one that I think they're ready for but I'm excited for today because I think we're going to get Toledo's best shot and whenever you tune in to to listen or watch college football you want to see a competitive game and I think we have one on the slate today well today's game is the first this season that BYU will play without starting running back Tyson Williams the fifth year SEC transfer done for the year after an ACL tier last week versus Washington the Cougs will now turn to fellow fifth year transfer Emmanuel Asupa and Lopini Katoa primarily Super Show some flashes. Katoa is yet to really do so following a nice freshman campaign. He's been more seldom used. Both guys will need to produce against a Toledo team that is having a great deal of trouble stopping the run and the pass for that matter. They're, they're basically a susceptible defensive team right now. In short, if there was ever a week for the struggling BYU offense to get going, this would be that week. Coming up next, my pregame conversation with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. This is the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. The coach's comments coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the coach of the Cougars. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Here once again is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 
All right, so back at the Glass Bowl here in Toledo, Ohio. Cougars and Rockets, a final game of a two-game series that began three years ago in Provo. BYU won a wild one that day, 55-53. Those 53 points, the most allowed by BYU in the Kalani Sitake era, of course came in a win. The most points allowed in a loss, the 45 last week by Washington at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The Cougs are today back in the Eastern time zone for a second time in four weeks. BYU's win at Tennessee earlier this month, improving BYU's Sitake era record to 4-2 and two on Eastern time. After today, the Cougs will play two more games back east, including their next game. Coming off next week's bye, BYU will play at South Florida on October 12th. As for today, here at Toledo, BYU head coach Kalani Sitake shares with us his pregame thoughts, and our conversation is sponsored by Zions Bank. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. And we talked about uh, BYU taking on a Toledo team picked to win the MAC West in 2019, and how whether playing P5 or G5, BYU simply needs to play to potential. I've been always pleased with the way the guys play. They played hard uh, throughout the, the season so far, and uh, this is another day that I expect them to play really hard, you know, and, and uh, give us the, the effort that I, they've been doing all in practice. And so our guys should feel confident going into this game because they practiced really hard. And they did did a great job prepping for this game. Um, you know, we, we can only control what we know and what we can do. So um, uh, looking forward to us playing at our best. I say that every week, and, and I think this is a good time for us to really show that, that you know, things are starting to gel on all three phases of the game. And so I... I like the prep that we've had so far, and then looking forward to seeing it work today. What does the two and two record say about your team to this point? Well, you know what, it doesn't really matter to, to us what the record is. I, I think that that's something that you can look at, and uh, uh, we've already moved past the record now, but it's really in the past. Right now, we're trying to go one and zero this week, mm-hmm. and that's really the focus. And um, so, really, really, right now, we're only focused on this game, trying to do our best. And there's really we can't really think about the future for now. Okay. Uh, what does Toledo show you in terms of uh, competitiveness? Well, I mean, they, they've had uh, this culture of, of tough uh, execu- execution type of style on, on offense. I mean, they, they're they capable of blowing up. And they can throw the ball, but the, the running is what they hang their hat on this year. And, but, you know, we have to be ready for all of it. I think if you look at what they did uh, you know, years ago when we played back in 2016, they did it both on the air and on the ground. So um, we know that they have Kobach, a great running back, and I think they're going to put it on his shoulders. But... Uh, you know, if we were to take that away, hopefully we can stop the pass as well. But I, I feel really good about the matchup, and I think our D line is ready for this. As run reliant as Toledo is, fronts look a little different today. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're still big and physical, you know. But I, we still have to own the front. It doesn't really matter um, the, the, their size or the school that they're from. The D line and the O line have to own the front today, and if they do that, we'll have a really good chance of, of success. Do we expect something a little more on the D-line from you guys today in terms of more personnel? No, I think we have to change things a little bit. I mean, this is this can't be the same type of deal where uh, we, we just force-feed our, our style. I think uh, we've had some trouble with stopping the run in, in, uh, so far this year, and uh, I think we addressed that this week, and so hopefully it shows in the game. But I think scheme-wise, we've shown that we can be quite flexible from going through a 3-4 to a 4-3, and also going from a 3-3 to a 4-2. We've been able to do a lot of those things. I think we're going to have to utilize all of it today, but I think stopping the run's got to be the the, the, the main thing on that's for the focus for our defense right now. And defensively, you get a few guys back that might have been banged up recently. That helps. Yeah, that always helps, especially with the rotation and the guys that have, you know, earned some playing time. I mean, uh, we're getting Keenan back and, and Jackson Kafusi. So the fact that that, that, that Keenan Peely is able to play with us is going to be good. But also looking at the progress that 
Peyton Wilgars made as a linebacker, Kavika Fanua, and then the addition of Tyler Algier should help us as well. And so, Tyler, even though you're down a back right now and Tyson Williams, you're going to keep Algier as a linebacker for the time being? Yeah, I believe so. I think he's he's a guy that's earned a lot of second-team reps, and, and on this defense we rotate quite a bit, so keeping him fresh. Uh, I think that's also a, a compliment to what's happening on the, the running back position with um, with uh, Jackson McChesney doing such a good thing uh, as far as getting back from his mission and getting in better shape. So with him, Sione Finau, um, Lopini Katoa, you know, in addition to Soup, I think that's going to be a good group for us at running back. But Tyler can always switch over if he needs to. Shoot, if you ask half our team, they'd love to play running back right now. So, uh, But I think we feel good about the group that we have going into this game at the running back position, and uh, same thing with the linebacker position. So is McChesney a guy we could actually see uh, get the, get on the field today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've got the, the goal was to redshirt him, but he actually did a great job coming home from his mission and, and getting in great shape. Mm-hmm. He's added a lot of, bu- a lot of uh, muscle to his mass, and uh, just haven't really seen that very often from return missionaries, but he seems to have good genes, and so it works out. And, uh, the goal is whether we are going to use him for four games this year or not, but I think he's a guy that you can see on special teams and on the field as a running back. You would hope every week is the week for a breakout, but considering Toledo defensive numbers primarily, could this be a day? Has to, does this have to be a day where the offense just gets loose and, and, and puts it on somebody? We have to have consistency, and we have to get first downs and score points, and that's going to be the key here. And, and I think if we're able to do that, it should be a good outing for us. But we've done done it in spots, so we just need the consistency is the deal for us and execution. And, and so if it means that, uh, you know, whatever it takes, it doesn't really matter for us who's at running back. I mean, we could have a bunch of different bodies, but the quarterbacks have to run, and we have to make it work that way, whatever it takes to score points. Okay, last thing, uh, the morning routine. How was it for the team today? It's an early kick. Yeah, it was actually good. I mean, I think our guys adjusted really well. We had that Thursday morning practice during game time, and then yesterday – we know we flew out here, got landed Thursday night, uh, got up early yesterday and up early again today. From what I saw in breakfast and everything, the guys seem uh, excited. We should, um, we'll see what happens at the end of the game, but I, th- I think this was really good for us to get up early and get going. How do you like the venue? I love it. I, I think, I think uh, I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun. We already know that we have some fans that are going to be here, but I think this is going to be a really cool game, and, and uh, it's nice to be here in Toledo. It's just cool to hear some of the things that, they, they have going on here with the Rocket facing their, their rivals and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun and looking forward to this game. We are too. All right, uh, thanks for the preview, Coach. We'll talk to you post-game. Thanks, Greg. Go Cougs. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. Time now for the Homie Home Field Advantage brought to you by Homie, who reminds you that there's no place like home playing in front of Cougar fans who have your back. Homie's got your back, saving you sweet cash when buying or selling a home. Call it your Homie Home Field Advantage. And today, we talk about the home of the Toledo Rockets, built in 1937. The Glass Bowl was thus named to recognize one of Toledo's main manufacturing industries. It seats 26,038 fans, although one of the 20 smallest FBS venues. The Toledo Rockets have led the MAC in home attendance in each of the last two seasons, including last year at 21,000-plus. We'll see what kind of crowd BYU attracts for this Saturday matinee. Today. Time for a break, and as we do so, we remind you that uh, title and escrow can be complicated. With over 50 years' experience in Utah, Provo Land Title has the expertise to navigate your buying, selling, or building project. Provo Land Title, making the complicated easier. BYU and Toledo on tap. This has been the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, live from the Glass Bowl in Toledo, Ohio. On the new skin, BYU Sports.
kickoff is just around the corner. You're tuned to the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show. The BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by BYU Dining, a classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Utah Community Credit Union. Get more house, same payment at UCCU. It's what we do. Also by Utah Honda Dealers. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good morning once again, Cougar Nation, and live from Toledo, Ohio. We've got the Cougars and the Rockets' second all-time meeting. BYU won the first get-together in 2016. BYU playing in a Mac stadium for the first time since visiting Western Michigan in 1970. The Cougars will be back in the MAC next season when BYU plays at Northern Illinois in DeKalb. I'm Greg Rubel with broadcast partner Riley Nelson here in our booth. We have upstairs with us on-site engineers Barry Squires and Michael Wimmer, statistician Ralph Sokolowski, spotter McKay Perry. Down on the field, it's former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting for us from the Zions Bank end zone for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. Our broadcast intern here in Toledo is James Havel. Back at BYU Radio in Provo, our pregame, halftime, and postgame host is Jason Shepard. We also have engineer Sean Fay, coordinating producer Terry South, control board operator Tanner Rawl, along with broadcast intern. Nate Slack and Jeffrey Carroll. We are coming to you live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Our satellite flagship is BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Over the air, you can get us on BYU Radio 89.1 FM HD2 along with KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We are also on our network affiliates in the Intermountain West and streaming on the BYU Radio app, the BYU Cougars app, and the KSL Radio app, as well as BYUradio.org and BYUcougars.com slash live radio. You can hear our broadcast archives, including interviews and highlights at BYUradio.org and on the always helpful BYU football podcast. Okay, today's game. A third consecutive daytime kick for the Cougs, but this one is a little different. It comes with a 7.45 a.m. wake-up call this morning, which is actually 5.45 a.m. body clock time for these guys. Noon kick means 10 o'clock back home. If there's any concern, it would be that BYU will just be wide awake, right, and ready to roll. Cougs' last 10 a.m. Mountain Time kick came last year against UMass, where BYU went down 10-0 early before rallying for a comfortable win. Toledo, much better team than UMass, and underscores the need for the Cougs to get out of the gates a little better. BYU's allowed opening drive scores to each of its first four opponents. And in the Kalani Sitake era, opponents have scored first 27 times in 43 games. Obviously, every team... Would love to start quickly, score first, lead wire to wire. But BYU has played with a lead for only 12 out of 240 regulation minutes this season. And Riley, when it comes to Kalani, BYU has been an excellent front-running team if they can just get out on top. That is an excellent stat, Greg, with the 12 minutes. And I agree, and I think it's possible. As I look against Colorado State, even against their FCS opponent, Murray State, Toledo did not come out the gates. They were more that in the second and third quarter, especially with the spread option running attack, they really started to, you know, whether they found a crease and popped a long run or they started to wear down an opponent in the run game. So I think there's an opportunity to get up big here, which I think is important. Toledo has talked about they are up for this game. As I've listened to their pregame in the building and, and we're talking to the Toledo folks, they are 
they're excited at this opportunity to prove what they think is a premier program. You know, they were talking about how Utah comes in with their two wins being Tennessee and USC. That's a that's a really impressive resume. But I, I think getting out on top will have to do with being in the right mindset, which from the interview with Coach Satake, he, you know, said that he, he believes that the team is ready to play. And then the offense, for what we all hope and think will be a big day for them, the sooner we can get that started, the sooner the role can start. By the way, Ralph Sokolowski adding to our notation, uh, BYU is now on a string of 10 straight games without scoring a TD on its opening drive of the game. And each of the last three opponents have scored TDs on their first drive of the game, Tennessee, USC, and Washington. So what happens for the opponents just hasn't happened for BYU in quite a while. We've got more of the Cougar Kickoff Show coming up after we remind you that this season, BYU football and Mountain America Credit Union are changing lives. For each field goal BYU makes, Mountain America will donate $500 to the American Red Cross to help fund humanitarian services and programs. We're back to the Glass Bowl in Toledo after this short break. You're listening to the Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Kickoff Show continues. Let's head back to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth with Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back into the Cougar Kickoff Show, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We're at Toledo, Ohio for the Cougars and the Rockets. Uh, BYU 2-2 two and two on the season. Toledo 2-1. and one. They've already had a bye. BYU's last game was a 45-19 home loss to Washington. The Rockets were 41-35 road winners at Colorado State last Saturday, a game in which Toledo ran for nearly 450 yards. And uh, Riley's solid rush defense Previously, a Shiitake-era staple is a challenge right now. The question becomes, and it can be asked really relative to other areas of the team as well, how much of BYU's defensive and really offensive struggles are a function of the P5 schedule, and to what extent can BYU expect to improve as the P5s now drop off the slate? Well, I think there will be a marked and noticeable improvement. I will say that in the two games that we won, we kept the ball clean, we executed the game plan. Nobody was worried about the numbers against Tennessee and and USC. Uh, And the games that we've lost, uh, obviously it was glaring that we were giving up too many rush yards, we were turning the ball over on offense, and it was really hard to get things going. So while I do think that the opponent will allow it, it, will, it ultimately depends on, you know, Coach Wooden said, if we go out and execute, Coach Wooden of UCLA fame said, if we go out and execute our game, then the rest will take care of itself. I think it's that way for this BYU program. If they come out and execute on their game plan, don't give the ball away on offense, uh, you know, a high completion percentage and and get the rush game going, as well as on defense, if they can contain the run game, force Guadani to kind of stay and beat him from the pocket. If they can execute on those game plans, the rest should take care of itself. All right, Riley, time again for a break, and the time for you be the judge now, brought to you by Legally Mine. Legally Mine equals asset protection. Go to LegallyMineUSA.com to learn what you can do to stop lawsuits dead in their tracks. And today we're going with a BYU football trivia question, and it is this. The only other time that BYU and Toledo met, Jamal Williams set a BYU single-game rushing record with 286 yards on the ground. Whose record did he break? The answer next as the Cougar Kickoff Show continues from the Glass Bowl in Toledo on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
getting you geared up for game time. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and Toledo coming up. Time now for the answer in today's NC or today's BYU football trivia question in our You Be the Judge feature brought to you by Legally Mine. And today's BYU football trivia question was this. The only other time that BYU and Toledo met, Jamal Williams set a BYU single-game rushing record with 286 yards. Whose record did he break? That's a question. The answer, Eldon Forti, the phantom himself, 272 yards. That record set back in 1962 against George Washington. And then all those years later, Jamal Williams against Toledo. It was uh, it was 54 years later that Jamal set the new record, breaking Eldon Fortai's mark, and that was against Toledo. And uh, Jamal, the only player in BYU history to have had three games of 200-plus rushing yards. That's you be the judge, presented by Legally Mine. Well, four games into the season, BYU's among the lower-scoring teams in the country, 22.5 points per game, giving up 32 per game right now. Possession time ranks bottom 10. Rushing numbers, uh, sub-100 in the rankings, and so are the pass numbers. In fact, BYU has just three touchdown passes in four games. Now, considering the promise that Zach Wilson showed last year and considering the offensive talent back uh, for Zach and the Cougs, three touchdown passes seems like a low number through four games. Riley, what's really kept BYU's pass attack from maybe getting truly on track through four games? I really believe it was the uh, aggressive man defense that we faced. Now, Toledo likes to mix it up on the defensive back. They'll, it, by that, they will play some man, but they won't play man against four wide receiver sets, which BYU often lines up in a, in a four-wide set because Toledo just doesn't have the depth at defensive back. So whenever BYU comes out in those formations, expect a zone back end to their defense one which is more about throwing on time with good anticipation and good accuracy into windows rather than sitting and waiting on a receiver to create some separation because there wasn't much separation to be had in those early games i expect zach to double that number today hmm. and end this game with uh, six touchdown passes because i think the cougars are going to get up into the 40s now now not not to do you don't you, you don't you're not saying he's going to throw for six today they'll end the day end with the six, day with six. Yeah. three touchdown passes yeah. i think they're going to get up into the 40s which means six touchdowns Three from passing, another couple from rushing, and then maybe hopefully pick up one from the defense or special teams. Now, if he wants to throw for six today, we're good with that, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. We're okay yeah. with that. Okay, um, all right. He, Coming up, we'll check in at field level with our guy Mitchell Jurgens as our preview of BYU and Toledo continues from the Glass Bowl on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now let's get back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, the BYU and Toledo today. Only the second ever game for BYU in the state of Ohio. First was a 20-3 BYU win at Cincy in 2016. That was the last time, by the way, BYU beat an FBS opponent while scoring fewer than 21 points. Since then, 15 straight losses for BYU when they don't score 21 or more. Riley, college football these days, it's a high-scoring venture. If you're not averaging 30-plus right now, you're currently in the FBS minority. No question, and I think a singular minority at BYU also finds themselves in that they were the only team to play the first four games against P5 opponents. So I expect their average to tick up as the rest kind of comes back down, and BYU will be just fine. And now, Grant, we're only four games into the season, but the early median the early median in the FBS is above 30 points per game right now, and BYU's down at around 22.5. Let us pause right now for our national anthem here in Toledo.
All right, heading down now to sideline reporter Mitchell Jurgens from the Zions Bank end zone for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. And, uh, Mitch, a big-picture look right now shows BYU with eight games left on the regular season schedule, needing four wins to get bowl eligible. BYU has games versus Liberty versus Idaho State and at UMass later in the year. BYU will be expected to be heavy favorites in all three. That leaves you five swing games that will ultimately determine whether BYU goes bowling, has a winning record, those kinds of things. Today's game is the first of the five swing games. It's a big game that way heading into the bye week, Mitch. Yeah, you're exactly right, Greg. I mean, this is a very big game for the Cougs. As you mentioned, if BYU wants to go bowling, and assuming they win the three must-win games, all they need is one, so why not start now? Um, if BYU can pull a, a win out today, I don't think whether BYU goes bowling is, is now the question. The mindset would then shift to how high can this team rise? You know, is it an, is it an eight win, nine win, ten win season? And I think this game is going to determine what category BYU can fall in. Um, you know, the Cougar offense has fa- been faced with very difficult matchups, and this one will be the most favorable by far. So if they can start fast and put up 35-plus, I want to see 40-plus points today. It will say a lot about what this offense is capable of. Um, and as for the Cougar defense, Toledo's offense is no joke. Averaging just under 37 points a game and 269 rush yards a game, this defense will be tested. So if they can make some adjustments, find ways to limit Bryant Kopak or Kobach's explosive plays, it may rattle this Toledo offense and then give the, the opportunity back to the BYU offense to widen the gap on that scoreboard. Mitchell, thank you. Good stuff. Riley Nelson's keys to the game. The coin toss and opening kickoff are coming up next. This has been the Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.